This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Mississippi Education Connection, a show dedicated to providing resources for teachers, parents, guardians, and students. Well, as the coronavirus crisis continues to place tremendous strain on the educational system, state policymakers, along with district leaders, school leaders, teachers, and support staff, are working to ensure the well-being of students and families. So today, we welcome back State Superintendent of Education, Dr. Gary Wright, and Chief Academic Officer, Dr. Nathan Oakley. They're going to give us an update on Mississippi's educational disruption and respond to your questions. So, this is the time to call. I know you have questions and concerns. I know you've been talking amongst yourselves at home or with your uh, colleagues. This is the time. If you want to get the real answers, I need you to pick up the phone and call one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. She's here to answer your questions. All right, Tara. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? It's a beautiful, we've had a beautiful week. Absolutely. Nice weather. Uh, very big contrast from uh, last Sunday. Yes. A lot of uh, devastating tornadoes in Mississippi. 11 fatalities. Uh, our thoughts and prayers goes out to those families in the midst of COVID-19 and yes. no place to live mm. and things like that. Um, but we are resilient. Resilient people. And we will yes. make it. And Together. again, um, <laughs> shout out, uh, not shout out, but uh, <laughs> kudos to everyone that's helping in their communities to, to clean up the yes. efforts. And the state response to it was amazing. So, I mean, everybody will be okay. They will. Well, how how's your week been? Well, we've had a really busy week. It's been a good week. Very productive. In education, we are working on a fun project for seniors. Oh, okay. And wait, wait. When you say seniors, you mean high school high school, <laughs> high school seniors. You're like uh, 75 and older. Yeah, no, you're right, right. This show is education, so it's high school seniors. We're working on a, a really fun um, project mm-hmm. that we will be putting out real soon. Okay. So, oh, we so want, it's a secret right it's now. It's a huh? secret right okay. now, but I want to put se- high school seniors on alert okay. that it's coming and to keep up with us and to find out more about it. Um, they need to follow us on social media. Okay, yes, follow that at up. MPB Education. So follow us there to find out when that cool project is coming up, so you can participate. To all Mississippi high school seniors. All right. <laughs> Speaking of Mississippi high school seniors, of course we'll have Dr. Wright today and Nathan Oakley. Dr. Nathan Oakley. They're going to talk to our seniors a little bit mm-hmm. later too and give you guys some encouragement. We want to encourage all of our seniors. We know this is a tough time for you guys. You had so many things planned, but you know what? Um, what is uh, some people say, what's that cliche thing? A comma is not a complete a period. It's a pause. Mm-hmm. We can pick back up maybe this summer and do some nice little fun things for you guys. Uh, mock graduation or anything, mock proms. Or we're going we're gonna to make it special for you. Don't worry. Do not worry. Well, we know that we bring you guys cool stories of the week. Also, 
Also, we um, bring you um, tips of the week. So my cool story for this week comes from Texas, Beaumont, Texas. I know it's not Mississippi, but it's close. (laughs) And a school principal at Homer Drive Elementary School in Beaumont, Texas, shares encouraging coronavirus-related acronym to help students throughout this pandemic. And I thought this was so cool. So let's get started. C stands for stay calm through all of this. O is for organize your thoughts, your thinking process. R is for rest. It's important to get lots of rest during this time because it can be a daunting task for parents and students. The other O stands for organize. Organize your life right now. We have to rethink the way we live. That is very true. The N stands for navigate. Navigate your way through this. And the A, the last A, stands for accomplishment. If we all do all of that, we will accomplish something big. I like that. She's giving her students uh, some encouragement through a acronym. I love it. And again, that's a school principal from Homer Drive Elementary School in Beaumont, Texas. So, Tara, what's the tips of the week? You know, actually, I'm going to incorporate the lieutenant governor offices, how he's he's received some entries for his Healthy at Home project. Mm. And these students from across Mississippi, I hear there are many of them sending in their entries. And I'm going to pull my tips from a couple of them. Okay. So we have Drake, who is from Richland Elementary School in Rankin County. Drake wrote in, I would tell lawmakers to make sure they eat fruits and vegetables. (laughs) They will also stay home and take medicine when they are sick. So we're going to say that Drake's tip of the week is to eat your fruits and vegetables to help you stay healthy. Love it. And what uh, grade is he in? You know what? It doesn't say, okay. but by the look of it, he's, an el- of course, an elementary, elementary student, uh-huh. student. So, yes, that's that. Drake. And one more. This is from Lit- Lipsy Middle School student Brittany in Brookhaven. Okay. Brittany says the best way for us to stay healthy are the three H's. Stay happy, stay healthy, and stay home. I like her stay happy. I like happy. that. The three H's. <laughs> Happy, healthy, and stay home. Well, we have a caller that's been holding um, graciously from Brookhaven. Speaking of Brookhaven, we have Miss Betty from Brookhaven, and she has a question for us. Good morning, Betty. Good morning. How are you? We're fine. How are you? Great. Thank you for asking. What I wanted to ask this morning, I know that MPB has a statewide digital distance learning program with a lot of schools. Since MPB TV channels are all over the state as well, can you all use your TV channels to broadcast any classes? That's a good question, Betty. Actually, we have been in communication with the Mississippi Department of Education about this very thing. And personally, I have a meeting set up next week with an organization here in Mississippi to talk about this. We don't know how it can work, but it is certainly a conversation that is worth having. We do have the um, statewide digital network that we are having that we have across the state with where teachers, um, schools that who don't have certified teachers. We're working with Delta State University and some other schools where a teacher in Natchez, Mississippi, can teach a, a classroom in Starkville, Mississippi. So we do have that network set up. There is lots of capabilities to that network, and we're looking to expand it. And as far as our broadcast television stations, I'm sure that there is a way we can work that out, but there's going to take some conversations and some planning for that. Thank you for asking. 
Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Miss Betty, all the way from Brookhaven. Now, it's simple as that. If you have a question or comment or concern for our show today, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We're going to take our first break, and when we return, we'll welcome back to the show State Superintendent of Education, Dr. Carrie Wright, and Chief Academic Officer, Dr. Nathan Oakley, here to answer your questions and concerns about the state of education in Mississippi. This is MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. This is Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. While teachers, parents, and students are somewhat settling into their new normal, there are still large gaps between what people need and want and what is currently available. So let's welcome back to the show to answer your questions and concerns, Superintendent of Education, Dr. Carrie Wright, and Chief Academic Officer, Dr. Nathan Oakley. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Nice to hear you again. Thanks for being a part of the show. I know you are super duper busy, probably more busy now than you were before. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. I hear that laugh. It's good to hear you laugh, though. Good to see you. I can't see you, but I know you're smiling right now. I, I just mm-hmm. want to say, again, kudos to you and your team. I would not trade my life for yours right now. I just want to say that. And you guys are doing an awesome job of uh, um, spearheading everything and handling this with uh, a lot of professionalism. I I do want to say that just coming from a parent and a professional as well. Tara, you have anything that's, you know, you've seen them on the front lines working hard and trying to keep that, you know, uh, spirit high with all of the um, unknowns going on Mm -hmm. around the state. We need our uh, leaders to have a level head, and I think they've done that. Yeah, I know that the uh, the team that I'm working with over at M- MDE is working hard. We're communicating every week to make sure that we have consistent communication and updating the information and continuing our special broadcast for students across the state. And I just know they're doing a, 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 as a good job there at MDE, focusing on what they need to focus on. And I know there's a lot more work that needs to be done. And with that said, we'll jump right in with here with... Um, Dr. Wright. And and Dr. Wright, I want to ask you, the governor announced that schools would remain closed um, earlier this week. And he stated that it was a very hard decision. So just can you just give us your take on, you know, what that really means to you, what your feelings, your thoughts about moving forward in in this manner for the rest of the school year for our, our, our children? Sure, and thank you for the question. Um, I know it was a hard decision for him. Uh, he and I have talked quite frequently um, over this period of time, and, and we've all consulted, obviously, with Dr. Dobbs and Dr. Byers uh, to see what would be the safest thing for our children. Obviously, um, it's not easy for him, and I want to thank him for making that, that tough decision, but I think he did it in the interest of the safety of not only children, but staff and parents and, and everyone else. 
Uh, we are continuing to provide uh, information on a daily basis uh, to superintendents, uh, principals, and teachers uh, on on access uh, to online uh, programming that they have. A, it's for free, uh, and B, that we feel um, would be of value. Uh, I also want to thank um, our parents who have really stepped up uh, in being on the other end of having to deliver um, a lot of this because I know that's not something that, that many parents were prepared for. So we've been trying to put things on our social media as well as our website um, so that parents can access um, information that they need and, and resources that they may need in order to provide some programming at home. All right. Well, we again, thank you for everything you've been doing. Um, we do have calls on the phone, and I'm so glad sure. we asked people to call in, and they have called in. Let's go to um, John first. He is out of um, Osaka. <laughs> John, good morning, John. Uh, good morning. You have a question or comment for our guest? Uh, well, yes, actually, uh, for both of them. And I've already been in contact via email with Dr. Oakley. I've been an online instructor since 2011 at a collegiate level, and I would love to volunteer my services to help train your teachers. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a question for for me or for Dr. Oakley? What would you like? No, we'd be more well, than happy to um, Oakley, have you uh, help us out. I know that uh, Dr. Oakley and I have actually been talking about uh, professional development that's going to be needed. Um, we're also uh, in the process of trying to make plans for when things restart. Uh, actually, I've got uh, three different meetings scheduled next week and the following week with my Teachers Advisory Council to get their input on uh, what they felt they uh, were prepared to do, what they felt they weren't prepared to do, and what additional help that they that they need. So we're using going to use all of that information so that when we are able to get a group of teachers back together again to provide them with the professional development um, that they need. So more than happy. If you've been in touch with Dr. Oakley, then we'll certainly uh, reach out to you when uh, when we get all that scheduled. Okay, because I emailed him either on Sunday evening or on Monday evening, and I double-checked my email before your show and have not received any response yet. Oh, well, we're, well, you have now. <laughs> so, uh, as long as if you want to email, uh, I'm sure if you want to email me, uh, that's, you email me as well, or I can, when Dr. Oakley and I get off the phone, we'll, uh, we'll definitely put our heads together. But I thank you for your offer. Thank you, John. That is very good. And that's what we're talking about. Uh, through and through trials and tribulations, you see people, you see communities come together and doing things that they normally wouldn't do. I love that. Thank you so much. And a lot of people should uh, could follow suit with that. Um, is that something that you guys um, would like other people to do, um, Dr. Uh, Oakley? We are hearing from folks uh, from different walks of life, from community college as well as from uh, post-secondary and K-12 that have this expertise. And as Dr. Wright mentioned, we will be looking at how we can put a team together to help develop uh, content for teachers going forward. So absolutely, I will go back and look through email to see where that message is. All right. Well, we're going to move on and um, we're going to go to Jackson and speak with Dr. Shanks. Good morning, Dr. Shanks. Good morning. Hi, you have a question or comment for our guest? Yes, I do. I have a question for Dr. Wright. Um, good morning, Dr. Wright. Um, good morning. There, uh, good morning. Uh, there's been, um, I've been listening, and but there's it's not been a, a satisfactory answer to how students 
without internet will continue learning in a distance learning environment. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that, please, for me? Yeah, there's been a lot of districts. Um, that's been one of the things that we have um, that's really been glaring, I think. Uh, I, I don't know so much in, in the Jackson area, but certainly uh, in the, the Delta area, southwest, southeast portions of our state, the rural portions of our state um, are struggling because they don't have enough broadband and connectivity. And so that's something that we are um, getting prepared to address, and I'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, what districts have done, though, um, that are in a position like that, they've made learning packets. Uh, by grade, by subject area, and uh, some districts have had their buses um, deliver those packets, like on a bus route. Other districts have had them uh, outside the central office area where those packets are produced or outside the school um, where the packets are produced. So a lot of districts um, have, have come up with a way to ensure that children are continuing to learn, even though it may not be an online learning, but there um, are other ways that they have, they're providing learning experiences for their children. Well, Dr. Wright, I have a piggyback question off that question. I'm glad sure. you mentioned that. Uh, I was going to ask you later, but since we brought it up. I know that they've had packets for um, some errors with uh, out internet. How do those packets, how are they going to get evaluated? Meaning, how are they going to get graded? How do they get back to the teachers if they right. do or if they don't? Meaning, so the the work that people don't, if they don't have internet in their homes, they are not getting evaluated on a daily or weekly basis. How is will those students be assessed? Well, that, <clears throat> there's two parts to that question. One um, is that that is a local decision about how that is done. But two, I can tell you um, anecdotally from superintendents that I've talked to that superintendents are expecting those packets to be returned back to the house or back to the school in order that they can be graded and assessed. In fact, in the governor's um, executive order that's going to be coming out, uh, there is an expectation that he states in the executive order that districts shall demonstrate that they are continuing to grade and monitor progress of, of students. So it's coming from the governor as well as an, as an expectation from the department that children uh, are graded and are assessed and continually monitored. This is not this is not an early summer vacation. <laughs> this just simply means that learning has to take place in a different location than in the schoolhouse, but it is the expectation of the governor, it is the expectation of the department and the state board that learning will continue. Mm. I, I want to get to James. He's from Crystal Springs, but you brought up another point, expectations. Uh, yesterday we were speaking about games, and we were talking about if a game changes, the rules have to change. The rules can't stay the same if the game changes, correct? Do you agree? Okay. No, no, no. No? Okay, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. No, no, no. I, no, no, I actually do agree. I mean, that's the reason that I think we've given districts several suggestions about how to continue to grade. And so, but locally, it's, the, it's ultimately their decision. Mm-hmm. So we offered a, a several different suggestions on how this could be done. But it's up to each local district as to how that actually gets executed. Wow. Okay. So let's move on to James in Crystal Springs. Good morning, James. Good morning, ma'am, and good morning, Dr. Oakley, good morning, Dr. Wright, and good morning, all moderators that are on the panel. Good morning. Uh, good morning. So far so, so far, so good. I've been enjoying your program. And uh, I thank you all for putting this online learning experience uh, in place for our students that are in shelter right now. Um. Uh, I wouldn't know if um, Betty and uh, the other guy spoke with you yesterday or today. Betty and uh, 
that you spoke about the need for extension of your publications so that it will be all inclusive, given the um, opportunity that was availed in the past. Uh, why do I support this national broadcast, especially at the state level? Uh, we should be mindful of the fact that not all parents are educated to be able to help their children at home. If the experience is put out in a manner that will be friendly, parents will have the opportunity to learn as well, catch up on how to help their children. That is one. Two, professional... Well, can I answer that one first? Can I answer that one first? Yes, um, <clears throat> There is a program that is uh, online uh, called the Khan Academy, K-H-A-N, the Khan Academy. And it is online it, for all ages, for all subjects. So you can literally, as a parent, if you don't understand a concept, you can go to Khan Academy and you can enter in what that concept is. And then there is a teacher that is online that can walk children through um, that process. So all parents don't have to be knowing all subjects at all grade levels. There, is, there are places like that, and that's just one that we have referred to because it is a national, nationally recognized program um, that you can access um, from, from home. Okay, man. Uh, thanks for your response. And I will still indulge you to uh, emphasize on this so that all parents will know that this is available. Secondly... Uh, like one of the callers did say, it is important for professional development to be put in place for all those that are willing to learn. Three, uh, it's important for you to involve all the colleges that are preparing teachers, both those that are right now in service and uh, those that are pre-service candidates, so that uh, there'll be a check and balance on what is being dished out, so that no one is left out. Uh, that Correct. Is, that is, and, is we, and we work with our educator prep programs um, a lot. In fact, we're the ones that actually are responsible for approving the educator prep programs. And so when we see that, uh, there are additional skills um, that teachers may need uh, to learn before they start teaching. Then we work with our universities to help them uh, modify their teacher prep programs so that their teachers are graduating with the skills that they need. All right. Thank you, James, for those very good questions. Um, Dr. Wright, like you said, a lot of people all over the state have questions and concerns about the um, inequalities of um, the way mm -hmm. we have social, uh, well, Internet access across the board in the state. That's a big one of the big concerns um, that I hear the state talking about. Was that one of your main concerns about areas that did not have access to Internet and homeless students, students that are in juvenile uh, correction facilities or living in um, um, living, you know, again, living in um, halfway houses and things like that? Absolutely. And 
That was one that I'm glad that you brought that back up because there are funds that are going to be coming in from the federal government uh, through the CARES Act that was just passed uh, for K-12. And so there's going to be money that's coming into the governor for his use um, educationally around the state, about $34.6 million. There's money coming into K-12, about $169.9 million. And those monies will then be uh, pushed out to all of the districts that receive, you know, title dollars. And that we're gathering information now and putting together guidance documents to help districts uh, and analyze, actually, and assess where are they in the ability to deliver online learning? Uh, do they need more devices? Do they need a learning management system? Do they need broadband? Whatever the, it is that they need in order to be able to calculate how much money they should be putting toward that kind of thing um, before a situation like this occurs again. A lot of the national uh, professionals were saying that they expect a resurgence of COVID-19 in the fall. So we may very well end up back at home again. So when these monies come in, it's going to be very important that districts are very thoughtful about how they spend these monies. I've also talked to the governor, and I know the governor has a new business task force put together uh, to address recovery and restart. And I know that this is on his mind because he and I have discussed this as well. So we're hoping that by working with the governor with his funds, working with the districts with their funds, um, that we're going to be in a much better position uh, should this occur again. Thank you. Dr. Wright, you referred earlier sometime about this school year, 2019-2020, being a hold harmless year due to the disruptions Mm -hmm. caused by the coronavirus and school closures. Can you explain what that means? And as you explain that, can you also go into talking about how students will be evaluated this, this term? Sure. So um, we, as you know, every year administer statewide assessments, and we also um, issue grades for districts and schools. And so one of the waivers that we requested from the federal government was to waive the testing and waive the accountability and reporting features. So what that means is that whatever a grade, whatever grade a district or school had as coming into this year, they will continue to hold that same grade heading into the 2021 school year. So they <clears throat> will not be, uh, that's what I mean by held harmless, that this is not going to cause them to receive any kind of a lower grade or whatever. So it's the same, same identical grade. As far as grading and reporting is concerned at the local level, that is a local decision. And so, as I said earlier, we offered districts several different um, uh, up, several different examples of ways that they could do that. But ultimately, it is down to the district level uh, voting on um, or the superintendent working with principals and their, their local boards to decide on how children are going to be graded this last quarter. And at, at what point will districts know that? I've had several um, parents ask, hey, when will I know about my whether mm-hmm. my child will be rank this or rank that or a graduate and senior or what when would they know that so well they i'm i'm hoping that districts are communicating that because um i know that a lot of superintendents have said that their boards are going to be voting on this methodology uh i i know some of the boards were not voting until like the third or fourth week in april so it could be that that may not be that, that may be re- the reason the parents don't know, but every local district, all 146 of them, um, have to make a decision on how they're going to be grading students, and that means seniors as well. So um, it's st- 
students were on track to graduate uh, in the in this year, as far as seniors are concerned, then I would see no reason why not to anticipate that. Though we did say that students cannot graduate with less than uh, 24 Carnegie units, which is the minimum number of Carnegie units. So if you were a student that wasn't on track to graduate and you were a senior, then it may be that you may not be graduating because you weren't on track to begin with. You may not have had enough Carnegie units or a GPA that would have gotten you that way. So I think that uh, each district, though, has had to look at this individually because how you would evaluate an elementary school or a middle school and a high school might be a little bit different because you don't earn Carnegie units at, at elementary school. Um, so uh, that's a local decision, and it should be locally uh, published. Right. Well, will there be, and I don't know if you know this or not, any, if those students are on track to not graduate or pass, Will there be anything that they can do in the summer that would allow them to make up work, to to get those um, points that they need, those credits that they need? Yeah, I think a lot of the districts are already planning on that. Um, I think I've talked to superintendents that are already talking about summer learning and making sure that kids can recover credit if they need to recover credit or just to continue learning. So I've already got superintendents that are planning on, you know, summer reading programs or literacy programs. I've got superintendents that are already thinking about, do I start school earlier next year, like at the tail end of July versus starting it in, in August? I've got superintendents already talking about, you know what, I think I'm probably going to need to put some after-school programs into place because children are going to need some extended learning time. So you've got superintendents that are already thinking like this. And so I'm sure that once those decisions are finalized, then they will be publishing that um, for their local communities. Well, that's so good to hear because those those are a lot of questions that being that are being asked. Thank and, you. And Dr. Wright, I have so many questions on what you just said, and we're going to take another break, and I'm going to come back with those questions. We have questions from our uh, listening audience as well. Again, we're speaking with Dr. Carrie Wright, State Superintendent of Education, and Dr. Nathan Oakley is on the line. He is the academic officer with the uh, MDE as well. If you have questions or comments or like to share uh, new ways you've been teaching and learning throughout this pandemic, give us a call. We'd like to hear it. I'm sure Dr. Wright and Dr. Oakley would like to hear any new innovative ways you as a teacher have come up with connecting to your with your students. Or if you have any concerns or want to voice your opinion, this is the platform to do it. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection on MPB Think Radio. contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning, and you're listening to Mississippi Education Connection on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education with MPB. Well, today we've been speaking with Dr. Carrie Wright, State Superintendent of Education and Chief Academic Officer, Dr. Nathan Oakley. Now's the time to get those questions ready. Phone lines are open, so if you have questions or comments, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 
877-672-7464. Well, Dr. Wright, before the break, uh, we were talking about evaluations and how you have given uh, each district the autonomy to decide how they are going to um, evaluate and, and grade or pass or fail their students. Um, do you foresee any legal um, legal issues having do giving every district a, uh, autonomy, and and that means it's not going to be the same across the board. Do you foresee any legal um, issues coming up in the future because of that? No, not really. This is this is not anything new. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of statute, a lot of law that gives these. <clears throat> excuse me, the State Department of Education authority, but there's also a lot of statute and a lot of law that gives local districts a lot of authority. So um, I think it's one thing to, what's in my purview, I certainly can act on, but I can't tell 146 districts how to grade. Um, Grading systems uh, vary by district, and that is their local decision. It's just like, you know, normally people think of 90 to 100 as an A, right, Mm -hmm. in a grading system. But I've got districts that say, no, it's 93 to 100, right? So you, it's every district can set its own grading system and its own grading policy. What we can do is advise uh, where grading is concerned. But that is, has, has always been um, the local district's authority. Mm. Dr. Oakley, I have a question for you. We have a few more weeks in, in, in the school year. And when it comes, and this summer is going to be a little different, and it feels different ending the school year and going into the summer. What are you doing in terms of working on curriculum for the next school year, or what would you suggest to parents over the summer? And I know Dr. Wright has mentioned there's some summer, perhaps some summer programs and things like that. What would you, from a curriculum um, perspective, answer to that? So I think it's important that, that parents continue during this regular time of the school year when kids are, are typically in school, uh, continue to uh, work with reading and math and science and, and, and content. We, we talked last week a little bit about how you might structure that day or some, some considerations there. And so it's important to continue that uh, through what would typically be your regular school year. Uh, summer learning is not um, – is also not unusual for us here in the state. There are a number of districts that have typically in the past offered reading camps and summer enrichment camps for students. And so we're looking right now at guidance for districts as they consider what those summer learning experiences might look like, whether those happen virtually in the summer, whether they happen with a little bit earlier start time uh, than usual in the fall, but uh, would encourage families to, to focus now on the, kind of the, the ongoing academic content for the school year um, so that there is a small opportunity somewhere in the summer for a return to, to normalcy with a little bit of break and, and some summer activities uh, that happen outside of your traditional school setting. Thank you. And to either one of you, I know that there are some colleges and universities relaxing the requirement for students to take the ACT and SAT exam for, for entrance. What are your thoughts on that? And won't the students need that on down the road, like to go to grad school later on and things like that? Well, we are actually working with ACT as we speak um, to provide the opportunity for children that may not have had the opportunity to take that. As you know, we administer ACT to all of our 11th graders, and uh, we want to make sure that um, everybody has an opportunity to take that. So we are right now in discussion with ACT about 
what that would look like and when the next possible time for students to take the ACT would be. Wow. Now, Dr. Wright, a few weeks ago, your office released a statement, of course, suspending several statewide policies to manage the impact Mm -hmm. of extended uh, school closures. Uh, Have there been any updates to those uh, or changes to those policies uh, regarding graduation, uh, students scheduled, um, of course, uh, high school end of the year courses, high school credits, third graders, any of those things we talked about last time you were on the show? We did actually add um, a few additional waivers that the board voted on yesterday. Dr. Oakley, would you like to respond to that question? Because I know that was your presentation yesterday. Sure. So we we brought forward a couple of recommendations yesterday for the board that they acted upon uh, to allow for our early learning collaboratives to continue to receive uh, their funding uh, during this time period that schools are closed, uh, also to allow for our students that are on a uh, speech-language scholarship or a dyslexia therapy scholarship to continue to receive uh, that scholarship during the time that schools are closed, uh, where they're not physically present on a school campus. And then one of the other pieces, we've done a lot of work with early childhood in recent years. Dr. Wright has spearheaded that work uh, for us as a state since she came in 2013. But we've, uh, as we've looked at early childhood, we've tried to strengthen the quality of those early childhood experiences. And so we've reframed uh, the expectations for our teacher assistants and teachers on the general ed, special ed side, both in pre-K, and uh, put some additional requirements in place to ensure that they are uh, meeting the needs of students. But we've delayed by a year the timeline for some of those expectations for districts uh, to meet those requirements. All right. Now, earlier, you guys, we were talking about um, next school year, 2021 how or what does that look like in the beginning? Dr. Wright, of course, you know, uh, as a parent, I know registration, um, getting your child registered. If you're a new, mm-hmm. if you have a child that's going to kindergarten for the first time, all of the documents and all of the things that a parent has to do to register their child for school. What does that look like right now, not knowing if we will even be in the classroom? How is that going to be handled? Well, you bring up a really good point, and I think that that's something that we're, you know, right now the team is just <laughs> kind of been working on how do we figure out how right. to help districts get to the end of the year and into the summer. But our next uh, set of work is now then how then can we better help districts um, get started, you know, in the fall. And I think that there's going to have to be a process put in place, obviously, if there's not an in in um, person meeting, if you will, uh, that districts are going to have to, you know, really think about. They're also going to have to be thinking about how do we assess children now coming into the fall? How do Mm. I find out where these children are academically in reading and in math and, you know, science and social studies? Uh, And so districts, I know superintendents are working with their staff now to think about what does that look like so that we can take children and accelerate their learning. You know, remediation um, is not the answer to this. It's not dragging all the all the, the skills from one year into the next that they may not have learned. It's taking the grade level of, of content that they've got coming into the new year and accelerating their learning and picking up those skills that they may have missed along the way. But acceleration is what we're going to be looking for. We're going to be looking at how do we accelerate children's learning moving into the fall. Mm. Now, the nation's public school serves about 1.3 million homeless students. They serve almost 30 mm. million children who rely on schools for breakfast and lunch. Will students who depend on school meals continue to be fed for the rest of the school term? That we're hoping um, that is the case. Once again, that's a local decision that is made. 
Um, but we have many of, if not most of our districts that are continuing to provide meals. I know there were one or two districts that stopped that when one of the workers or two of the workers came down with COVID-19. Mm. So um, that then they put a kind of a halt on that at the time. Uh, but I think most of our districts are continuing to figure out how to do that. And we've gone to a grab and go. So it's not like you've got to go into the building and, you know, mm-hmm. retrieve anything. We gave all the districts permission to use a grab-and-go method. Actually, the USDA did. And so uh, you can literally drive up and you can pick up as many meals, you know, as you need. Uh, I know that some districts have gone to meal distribution like, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Others have gone to a Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, but you can pick up the number of meals that you need in those grab-and-go. Some districts have even put them on buses mm-hmm. and sent the bus routes out and put the grab-and-go meals on the buses. So everybody's trying to do it as creatively as they can to ensure that our children get fed. We've talked about several issues today, and I know there are many on the table. What are a couple of the other main issues that you all are focusing on that we may not have talked about already? Well, I think the biggest thing for us is to try to make sure that there is an equitable access Mm. and opportunity for learning. That, to me, is that that keeps me up at night. And I think that, um, as it does my team, I mean, this, I think that, I think the nation is realizing that. I think this is, if there's done, if it's done nothing else with COVID-19, I think it's really lifted up nationally, um, the need for, um, the need for um, our children to um, have access to online learning. And um, so if that's what we can do, and that's what we can do is, 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 a, is a state uh, and with funds that are coming in and working with our governor uh, with his monies that are coming in uh, to really think about what does this look like for us to ensure that every child in Mississippi has equitable access and opportunity for learning, even if it's done distantly. Hmm. That's the biggest thing on my mind right now. I love that. And, you know, Plato stated that necessity is the mother of innovation. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And of course, with that being said, do you think that the COVID-19 pandemic may reshape education? I do. I really do. I think, um, you know, people, as horrible as this is, if there is a silver lining in all of this, it is really forced, I think, the nation, um, because I talk with my colleagues who are other state chiefs uh, around the nation on a regular basis. In fact, we're on biweekly, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're all on webinars together to be thinking about what does this look like and what does this look like moving forward. Mm. I think it caught a a lot of people flat footed, quite Mm -hmm. frankly. But now that we're now that we know and now that this has been lifted up as a national issue, um, I think we need to get our big businesses involved. I think C Spire, AT&T, if you're in the Northeast, it's Verizon. I mean, it's wherever it is, these bigger organizations bring them into the fold and let's figure out how we come together as a state uh, to change uh, this for all children across the state. Has there been any talk with those um, companies about that? From your I do believe, yeah, I do believe that the governor, um, you know, is bringing in a lot of businesses. Um, he has formed a task force. Um, I'm going to call it a recovery task force. It's got a name. It's recovery restart, something of mm-hmm. that nature. But I, I, he and I've discussed this, and he um, 
he totally understands this. In fact, he said every child should have access to high-quality instruction. So um, he's, um, I think he's going to be leading this work, and, and I look to him as a partner to lead this work because I think that uh, we owe it to the future of our state. We've made such tremendous progress over the past few years. I mean, just nationally recognized progress. And we owe it to our children and the future children of this state to ensure that they've got the best education they can possibly have so that they can compete globally. And um, that's that's my focus. And that's, uh, that's my drive. And I, and I know the governor concurs with that. I love that. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take our last break, but phone lines are still open. It's a little quiet around here. We want you to get your questions and concerns answered right here from the horse's mouth. We have Dr. Kerry Wright, State Superintendent of Education, and Dr. Nathan Oakley. He is the Chief Academic Officer with the Mississippi Department of Education. They are on the phone lines with us right now. So go ahead and pick up the phone and call one 877 MPB ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. Stay tuned for more. This is Mississippi Education Connection on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education here with MPB. Well, if you're just joining us, today we've been discussing Mississippi's educational disruption and response with Dr. Carrie Wright, State Superintendent of Education, and Dr. Nathan Oakley, Chief Academic Officer with the Mississippi Department of Education. Well, it's not too late to get your questions or comments in. The number to call is 1-877-MPB ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. Well, Dr. Wright, uh, Tara and I were talking throughout the break, and I know we only have a few minutes, but we really want to talk about how your department is going to regulate or make sure the funding that the uh, districts are getting, (laughs) you know that was coming, uh, make sure those funds are distributed, distributed fairly and given to the areas that need them the most. Well, um, that's a really good question. Uh, so when the, the funds come in, uh, the federal government has calculated uh, the formula using the same formula that they used to distribute Title I dollars this year for the 1920 school year. So using that same formula nationwide, um, they will then be sending in K-12 gets $169.9 million. Uh, that money will come to the department, and then based on formula, excuse me, will be distributed then to the districts. So we also, there's a lot of reporting responsibility that goes along with that from the district side, not only just from our side, but from the district side. So there will um, there are, will be allowable expenses and unallowable expenses, and we're waiting to see um, the guidance that comes from the federal government regarding the spending. 
So all that guidance and all that money will then be pushed out to the districts, and then they can only spend the money using the allowable expenses. And so that is something that we'll be um, looking to the federal government uh, to see what those expenses will be. Yes, yes. And and there, of course, uh, every dollar has to be accounted for. And, uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> especially there. That, that <laughs> Absolutely. And, I mean, the federal government's pretty, they, they mm-hmm. do that about any money. Right. So whether it's Title One, Two, Three, Four, Perkins, Special Ed, any money that the federal government sends the states, the federal government is expecting reporting to go back to them about how this money was spent. Yes. Now, parents are looking for transparency, transparency and real expectations moving forward. How is the Department of Education helping uh, to do that moving forward? Well, we, you know, have everything that we're doing on our website and uh, and in and, and monthly with our state board of education meetings. Uh, so we're pretty transparent about what is going on at the department and the board, um, the state board uh, asks us, Lots of different questions. We provide them with a lot of different presentations around things that we're working on, um, things that, uh, that that are issues around our state. And at the local level, I would hope that, that parents are really attending board meetings. The local board meetings are where a lot of decisions are made, uh, and typically the superintendent is presenting um, a report on a regular basis to the local board, uh, and they're doing the same thing at the local level. So I would encourage all parents to get involved locally, get involved with their PTAs, get involved with their local boards, um, so that they're aware of, of what's going on and how monies are expended, because local boards have to vote the same way the state board does on how monies are expended. So local boards have to be transparent about how they're spending their money, too. Is wow. that the same way that they can keep up during the summer, keep in touch and keep um, become keep knowledgeable about what's going on with school as we move through the summer? Absolutely. Um, local boards typically meet once, if not twice a month. Uh, and you could probably go onto your local school's website to figure out when they do meet and what time they meet. And you can be there uh, and, and listen to the conversation and listen to how decisions are being made. It's the same as our board meeting. We now live stream every single board meeting. So even if you're at home and you can't be at our board meeting personally, you can watch from your um, your laptop and hear exactly how decisions are made, who's voting on what, what's coming before the state board. Uh, we've revised the state board's agenda to really have them focus on the, the key things as part of discussion. We have a strategic plan with six goals, and we keep all of the discussion focused on that strategic plan moving education forward. So we don't spend a lot of time uh, talking about, you know, renewals of contracts or things of that nature. Uh, we really spend the time talking about what's happening educationally so that the board is well aware of that, and we are pushing education forward. So. I, I would encourage you to, to get involved locally. I love that. Now, Dr. Bright and Dr. Oakley, if you could address our graduating seniors across the state, what would you say to them right now in the last few minutes of the show? Mm. Well, I would say congratulations, um, heartfelt. Um, you know, this is a wonderful, wonderful time in your life. I also say I'm so sorry that um, you were not able to have the ceremonies and all the activities that are typically afforded seniors. Uh, But I also know that a lot of your districts are planning those ceremonies either in late summer or fall because a lot of districts, every high school principal knows how important this is for seniors. Every superintendent knows that. So I know that many of them are planning to have very special ceremonies once all of the dust settles. But best of luck to all of you, regardless of whether you go to a two-year, four-year school, whether you go into the military, you go right into the world of work. 
um, I hope that um, nothing, nothing, I, I just wish you nothing but the best. All right. Well, again, we've come to the end of another great show. We want to thank our guest one more time, Dr. Carrie Wright, State Superintendent of Education, and Dr. Nathan Oakley, Chief Academic Officer, for joining us today and answering your questions. If you did not hear the show in its entirety, you can listen again to our podcast at mpbonline.org. This has been a production of MPB Think Radio in conjunction with MPB's Education Services Department and the Mississippi Department of Education. For Tara Ren- I'm Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women and join us next Friday as we sit down with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman as we talk about educational resources throughout the COVID-19 crisis. Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection, only on MPB Think Radio.